I came across Tim Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour Workweek. And I was like, that's what I've been missing. I need to get my business running on autopilot and have mini retirements, adventures, and that sort of thing. So I did that. I got the business running on autopilot, went off to Whistler for, for a three-month ski holiday. And George, I was like, I was sure that was going to do it. Because like, <laughs> Whistler, three months, not having to work, but like, you know, a couple hours a week. Uh, I'll take ski lessons. I'll be awesome. I'll have cool bragging rights. I I thought it would do. It I for would. Me. Be, yeah, I thought I'm going to be so happy. There's going to be white light shining out of every part of me. Like I'm going to be. So I get there six weeks in, and I've got sore feet, and I'm miserable, and I'm like, "What's wrong with this picture?" According to the rules, not only of my industry, but of everything I understood about the world. I should be so happy I'm levitating at this point. And instead, I'm feeling off purpose, ill at ease, uncomfortable. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good. Because this is the Mind of George podcast, where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Mind of George Show. And today, let me start with a quote. The only experience you'll ever get is the one you're currently having. And boy, oh boy, does that open it up. And today I am joined by one of the most incredible men. And this gentleman and his book are probably responsible for most of my happiness, my joy, my growth, and my success because of how profound and powerful it was. And you've heard me talk about this book and this author at least a hundred times on this podcast. And it is incredible. And this is going to be one of many parts because he's going to come back and we're going to talk more. And I am just flabbergasted at how incredible today's episode is. So I'm going to stop talking so we can just get into the show. And so without further ado, let's cue the intro and let's go listen to Jamie Smart talk about how to get clarity and win everywhere. To say that I'm excited is an understatement. And before I even let you know about today's guest, there is a slim chance I gave off Mark Wahlberg in that movie Fear Stalker fans or that movie Swim Fan Vibes when I met him. But he's still here for the show. And it's just a testament to the incredible man that he is. But I found this incredible gentleman by happenstance uh, quite a few years ago when I was at a very low point in my life and a sticking point and I was really trudging through it. I was doing the work and I was just looking for things to consume and grow. And I don't remember how, but I came across this book and this book in a matter of basically four hours, single-handedly felt like it collapsed five years of confusion and working and not understanding into perfect clarity on how I could take an action and be proactive about pursuing the things that I wanted in so many areas of my life. And then I could clearly see the evidence and the circumstances that were fully in my control, but were literally holding me back from what I wanted, creating all that frustration. And that was accomplished in a matter of a couple of hours of listening to this incredible book. And to say that 
was a monumentous occasion is an understatement. And it was incredibly powerfully for me and my business and all my clients. And I have probably sold a thousand copies of this book. I've given away quite a few hundred of this book and I mean it. And so I don't know how else to speak about the incredible man that is joining us on the podcast today, except to officially welcome the author of that book, Jamie Smart. Jamie, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, George. And I love hearing stories like yours because that's why I wrote the book was so that people could have the kind of experience you just described. And and that experience, like thanks for thanks for plugging the book. Yeah. And that couldn't have happened for you if you didn't have an innate capacity for everything that we're going to be talking about and pointing to and that sort of thing. And 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 not just you, but everyone who's listening has that same innate capacity. So I, I'm just delighted to hear you. I didn't know that. I, yeah. I really, it's really great to hear that. Yeah, it, it's um, you know, it's like. You know, I think about these moments in my life, especially like, and I, I feel like these moments are amplified with entrepreneurship because it tends to be like a five to 10 X on any life lesson, you know, that you're, mm. you know, about to achieve. But I, I feel like I've been just noticing this a lot. Like there's these like every two years, every three years, like somewhere in that like two to five year range where, you know, things were hard, got some clarity, got some awareness, did some work, did some healing and started working towards them. And then hit this like coasting point of like, God, I'm doing it all. I'm doing it all, but I'm still a little confused. I still don't get it. I still don't get it. And then there's that like, just randomly in a random moment when you're not thinking about it, when it's not there, it just like strikes you intuitively. It's mm -hmm. like right now is the time. And then it makes mm -hmm. it all make sense. And that's what it was for me. Like, that's how I would describe that moment. And so it's, it's pretty cool. So with that being said, and, and I actually selfishly don't remember or know even if you talked about it in the book, but I would kind of love to hear how we even got here to this book and being the mastery of that book, being able to teach it since you can't write a story that's still in the middle of, to then what led to that and all of it. So I'm, I'm, I'm innately curious and excited to listen. Well, let, let me give you give you some backstory. So I I, uh, I live in the UK, but I grew up in Canada on the west coast of Canada. So like, I'm in the okay, UK Vancouver. Now. Uh, that that area, Vancouver, Victoria, is where. Okay, I amazing. Grew up. Uh, and uh, um, I moved to the UK when I was in my early twenties and was working in the whole IT project management world and that sort of thing. But I had that sense that I know a lot of people have that there's something else I'm supposed to be doing, but I didn't know what it was. And I went on a training course in like 98 and I had one of those aha moments where I was like, oh, I, well, I, I realized two things, George. The first thing I realized was that like I, up until then, I felt kind of like life was just happening to me. Like I was just following the rails that I'd been put on by school and upbringing and that sort of thing. And all of a sudden I go, oh, you've been creating it. Like I just saw that I was, I was playing a, a very active role in the life I had up to that day and I could change it. And so that was incredibly liberating. I was like, oh, you can, you can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you put your mind to. It might not work out, but you can have a go. So I, I felt very liberated. But the second insight I had was, it was, it was an NLP training course, mm -hmm. neurolinguistic programming. And it was the first training course I'd ever been on. It was like a, two, a weekend introductory program. But every training course I'd ever been on before that was like 
a practical approach to data management. Like they were boring, man. And this was engaging, interesting. The trainer looked like he was having a good time. He was blowing people's minds. I was like, I want to do that. So I quit my job a couple of weeks later. I was working for an IT consultancy, had it in my notice a couple of weeks later, uh, started working as a contractor so I could earn money to retrain and all that sort of stuff. So I did that and I started uh, an NLP company in like uh, 2000 and well, I did a partnership for a couple of years. Then I, I in uh, late 2002, I started a company called Salad. And I grew that. We It was early days of Google AdWords, and I built a big email list. You had about 90,000 subscribers, big for me, 90,000 subscribers, and we did products and that sort of thing. And so I thought, like, I had what I wanted, but I didn't. it didn't feel quite right. Mm. And then I came across Tim Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour Workweek, and I was like, that's what I've been missing. I need to get my business running on autopilot and have many retirements, adventures, and that sort of thing. So I did that. I got the business running on autopilot, went off to Whistler for, for a three-month ski holiday. And George, I was like, I was sure that was going to do it. Because like, <laughs> Whistler, three months, not having to work, but like, you know, a couple hours a week. Uh, I'll take ski lessons. I'll be awesome. I'll have cool bragging rights. I I thought it would do it I for would me. Be, yeah, I thought I'm going to be so happy. There's going to be white light shining out of every part of me. Like I'm going to be. So I get there six weeks in, and I've got sore feet, and I'm miserable, and I'm like, "What's wrong with this picture?" According to the rules, not only of my industry, but of everything I understood about the world. I should be so happy I'm levitating at this point. And instead I'm feeling off purpose, ill at ease, uncomfortable, all that sort of thing. So I go back to the drawing board, uh, hired a coach, started exploring. And I stumbled across uh, something that I now refer to as the principles behind clarity, which is the work of a pretty obscure um, uh, Scottish guy called Sidney Banks, who had some insights in the early 70s. And it didn't spread very far. And, and so when I stumbled across it, it was like the best kept secret in psychology. And I, I started exploring it. And I, George, I started having insights, realizations, aha moments. And the first one I had was, oh, everything you've been looking for outside of you is already there within you. Now, obviously not cars and you know, cool holidays and that sort of thing. But the experience I was looking for, because I was I was looking for an experience of fulfillment, of peace of mind, of well-being, of security, of love and connection, of joy. But I'd been looking for it out there in achievements and that sort of thing. So I suddenly realized, oh, everything you've been looking for outside of you is already there within you. So that was big. That immediately reorganized my priorities. It reorganized my goals and all that sort of stuff. It changed what I was up to in the world, right? Second insight, just a few weeks later, I realized, oh, the fact that a person can even see, hear, feel, perceive means they have the source of mental health and resilience and clarity already there within them. Like that was a game changer for me because I was working as a coach and as a trainer and doing therapeutic change work with people. Immediately, I became so much more hopeful for my clients because I'm like, oh, I don't need to fix them. They've already got it in them. They just don't realize it. 
So my my work changed. I I changed from trying to help people solve stuff and that sort of thing to just creating the conditions for them to have what you had. What you had when you read Clarity or when you listened to Clarity was you had a profound and liberating insight into the truth of who you are, how you tick, how you work, all that sort of stuff. And that did the work for you, right? Mm -hmm. So I see that every client has that within them. And so all I need to do is make it as easy as possible for them to see that. And they do, reliable. It's really, really cool. So that was the second insight. Third and final insight I'm going to share with you was June of that year. So this is like 2009. Okay. I suddenly realized, oh, this is to psychology what the discovery of germs was to medicine. See, psychology is a pre-principles field at the moment. If you, if you read a book like The Structure of Scientific Revolutions by Thomas Kuhn, which is like one of the hundred most influential books of the 20th century. What was that one again? The, the structure. It's called The Structure of Scientific Revolutions. And you'll be aware of it, George, because he's the guy, Thomas Kuhn is the guy who coined the term paradigm shift. Oh, and, well, and I'm, paradigm I'm very, very aware of it. So it's a very specific technical term when it comes to science, which is how most science proceeds is scientists are working, doing what he calls ordinary science. And then from time to time, the foundation for ordinary science in a domain is shifted. So the shift from Newtonian physics to quantum physics or from, uh, uh, from so from pre-germ theory to germ theory is a paradigm shift for medicine. So two things. I'm going to make a bold statement and I'm going to make an invitation. So bold statement, nobody has a marketing problem. Everybody has a relationship problem. Invitation that you come join me in Austin, Texas, March 9th through 11th for our Lighthouse Business Accelerator. Because where else are you going to learn how to build relationships with your team, with your customers, and with your peers that will get your clients more results? You will increase your revenue and increase your referral. Where else will you learn the best proven marketing strategies, tactics, and frameworks in a room full of people that are also addicted to playing rock, paper, scissors? But more on that later, and that's something you will not understand until you get to the event. I am not joking. It is going to be a party. We're going to be covering our proven and actionable strategies and tactics to grow your brand, your business, and followers without confusion and overwhelm, and the days of stressing about when the algorithm is going to change, or is my content going to perform, or trying to craft the perfect email campaign so it goes unclicked and unopened, or doing work that leaves you burned out and exhausted because it's not moving the needle. All of those days, they're gone. Because in Austin, Texas, we are going to unlock the full potential of your business with actionable marketing tactics. We're going to talk about proven strategies on what's working right now with targeted breakout sessions with seven and eight figure entrepreneurs. We want to officially invite you to join the family because that's the vibe we've created with the Relationship Speed Algorithms movement. I'll be joined with some special guests, which will be announced soon. Maybe some of them, not all of them, because I have to keep my secrets. And we don't choose our speakers based on virality or on stage experience. We choose to have real people with proven track records of success and innovation based upon their business. And here's my rule. Every speaker is a friend, somebody I know, somebody that I love that does business, ethics, and morals the right way and comes to the event committed to serve and support you. And that's their whole agenda. And we 
also have a brand new VIP day with me, my team, and even bonus speakers. So if you're ready to scale and learn frameworks that will work with any business, consider this your official invitation to the Lighthouse Business Accelerator. And just head on over to mindofgeorge.com so you can secure your seat in the Lighthouse Business Accelerator and maybe even win the world's most competitive rock, paper, scissors championship ever with some great prizes. But either way, we'll see you at the event. So it's a very specific technical term when it comes to science, which is how most science proceeds is scientists are working, doing what he calls ordinary science. And then from time to time, the foundation for ordinary science in a domain is shifted. So the shift from Newtonian physics to quantum physics or from uh, from from pre-germ theory to germ theory is a paradigm shift for Mm -hmm. medicine. So what I saw is, oh, this represents a genuine paradigm shift in the Kuhnian sense for psychology. So I saw that. I literally that day I called my office. I said, uh, we're leaving the field of NLP. There are principles for psychology because I had a vision, which was just like you and me, George, were born to parents who already knew about the fact of germs, like something that most human beings for the last 100,000 years didn't know about. We were born in a generation where people knew about germs. And so our life is much longer and healthier and all that sort of stuff. Well, my vision is of a a generation of children born to parents who already know the truth about how experience Mm. is created and who they really are and what those kids have going for them. And the cool thing is I get messages like I got a message today from one of my clients whose daughter is seven years old. And she's growing up in a home where that's already true. So she's got like the psychological equivalent of uh, knowing about what uh, knowing about that. And it's just, yeah, it's incredible. Anyway, that's the intro. (laughs) Well, that's incredible. And I have a funny story for you just on that very last point, because I want to there's a few um, incredible things that um, that you shared that I want to dive into because they were they were very true for me. And I have some interesting clarifying questions, but, um, number one, uh, I just wanted to say thank you publicly for having that as a goal. I mean, that is, that is probably one of the most profound, powerful statements I've ever heard when it comes to commitment and movements and like what you're doing. And it's just a testament to the man you are. And I fucking appreciate you saying that and doing that. So, um, just thank you. However, I and anybody listening to this can ever support you in that. Like, I feel like that is one of the most important conversations I've ever heard, at least in the last decade, about what will truly matter and make a difference in the state of the current world, state of the current business and everything. And so just just thank you for that one. Um, And I will say this is pretty funny. Um, So we are one of those households. (laughs) We are one of those households. And my son is six and my daughter is 17 and my daughter grew up in that household only thanks to my wife. So my wife has been doing, she's been in the NLP hypnosis world since, you know, the nineties, like she's been OG mm-hmm. in the days. Um, and I am a byproduct of my wife. Um, that's the right. only reason I'm successful. I'm competent. I'm compassionate. I'm empathetic. Like it's, it's all thanks to her and my willingness to actually just say, you're right and just do it. And, uh, mm-hmm. And so the funny thing about this, though, is that my son is six. <laughs> my son is six. And um, my son has grown up in a home being taught neurolinguistic programming, being taught mind state changes, being taught seating. Daddy is a 
very, 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 very high-end digital sales consultant. Um, he comes to my events. And so the funny part about this, and this is just for your humor, is I actually had to have a meeting at his school because they were having issues because my son was four years old and they would tell him no to something, but he would work it and eventually they would do it without them realizing they were doing it and giving him what he wanted. Nice. And so we get, you know, like the warning calls, right? Like, hey, you know, B's been, you know, doing this and we're like, all right, cool, you know, whatever. And then then we got the call and she's like, uh, you know, can you come talk to us? I was like, can you just get the whole staff together and we'll come, you know, do like a little training or a little conversation. But he was literally like seeding things, filling their buckets, like being present and like over the course of months to change like patterns and behaviors at school. And I was like, I am so incredibly proud of you and petrified of you at the same time because you're six. And uh, yeah, so I, I figured you would chuckle at that. That's very cool. And it's funny, my my girlfriend's uh, uh, daughter is quite similar just mm-hmm. in terms of the, the degree to which you can see her, without being explicitly taught stuff, just, just modeling uh, her mother's uh, patterns. I had my first experience of that, George, when, when my uh, eldest daughter was about, she was maybe seven or eight. And uh, if we were watching TV or something, watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I said, okay, it's time to go to bed. And she's like, oh, can I just stay a few, up a few more minutes? I'm like, no, kid, it's time to go to bed. She goes, oh, please. I'm like, no, there's nothing. She goes, isn't there? I, she said, I know it's bedtime, but what would have to happen for you to let me stay up an extra 20 minutes? I'm like, <laughs> I appreciate your skills, but I swear there's nothing. She goes, yep. really? She goes, what if I were to dance like a monkey? And I, I cracked up. I'm like, yeah, that would do it. That would do it. So yep. she did. And then she stayed up 20 minutes because they're so flexible. They are they're so flexible. It, it, you know, I, I, um, I, I think about this often, like all the time. Like, I feel like, you know, like, you know, to give you a little context, Jamie, because you don't know a lot of, about my backstory, but um, basically, relatively homeless from 13 on drug abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, the whole gamut, um, was overweight, bullied, uh, front teeth knocked out three times, nose broken twice. So like, I didn't have the path of like, I'm going to make this. Uh, and Mm -hmm. so I ran away. Uh, and so i forged my parents' signature and joined the Marine Corps and then spent 13 years of my life, um, in that bucket. Um, and then PTSD, war, trauma, all that fun stuff. And, uh, I probably spent seven years going down aggressively, like on a daily practice, every evolution of psychology, CBT, CBT, EMDR, group therapy for so long, Um, Mm -hmm. so long that I actually forgot what I was going to ask you when I was just sharing that whole thing. Um, And that's not normal for me. Well, I should probably warn you, George, I, uh, so because as soon as you started telling me what you've been through, I kind of dropped into, I'm listening very, very carefully. Uh, and, but then when I do that, I kind of drop into a different feeling state. We're connected. And so like, you'll you'll feel that shift. Totally. And thank you for that. Um, there was a really, really 
you know, valid point somewhere in there that I will find at some point with that open loop. Yeah, it will come back to you. Um, gotta love that Zygarnik effect because uh, it's open now. <laughs> so I'm going to stop looking for it so it comes back. But I'll, uh, I'll leave that anyways because when you were sharing your intro, and actually just quick clarifying, so you started your company in 2002 and then 2009 is when you kind of like rebranded it into or like reshifted the paradigm of the company to focus on what we're talking about now. Well, yes and no. I stumbled across the understanding in 2009 and started learning. And I realized in June of that year, oh, I'm changing the direction of the company. Got it. My first book, Clarity, I didn't uh, didn't even get the name for that until 2011. Uh, And so it was uh, 2011 that we formally... Uh, re- started rebranding and changed, formally changed the direction. But I'd been shifting over those two years because when I first came across the stuff that I now teach exclusively, I didn't know how to teach it. I didn't know how to talk about it. I'd had profound insights for myself, but I didn't know how to help someone else have one. Welcome. To so it, it's been a, an amazing learning journey, learning to <laughs> to do this stuff. Oh yeah. Oh. Um... And I'm going to ask you about this later because it's, it's been in my brain, but I'm, I'm, I'm that guy where it depends on the, the minute of the day, but I will like be on stage and I'm like, what am I teaching and how am I teaching this? Because I have no idea, but there's a thousand people listening to me right now. Like, yeah, yeah I have that relationship with, <laughs> with that. So, um, so then, okay, made the shift in there. So this is why I was, I was going to ask you this. So I want to help everybody understand this paradigm really quickly because we talked about it in your intro about the tools that are inside of us, but mm. I, I feel like that's an easy thing to almost grasp in the words, but I struggled to really understand that for a long time. And so I yeah. think it would be helpful if we could just kind of set context of like when referencing like what I have inside of me, tools inside, can you give everybody an overview from your side of like what that means? Yeah. Yeah. So my starting point is, uh, and you'll hear me, George, talking about and referring to the principles behind clarity. And when, when I talk about that, what I'm referring to is an innate capacity that everybody has for a clear mind, high performance, well-being, love and connection, creativity, good ideas, all that sort of stuff. So that's the motivation, presence, that's that comes preloaded. And and we instinctively know this because you look at a baby, right? Mm-hmm. Babies don't need to see therapists. They're uh, they're um, happy a lot of the time unless they need something. They're very clear and honest about what they need and that sort of thing. And then over and even when they get really upset, they're back to normal in a heartbeat once the thing's solved and that sort of thing. So they don't carry a lot of stuff. So we've each got this innate capacity for well-being. We've got an innate capacity for resilience, for clarity, for good ideas. And it's funny, you know, I'll often ask, like I've literally asked tens of thousands of people around the world in audiences and one-on-one, when do you get your best ideas? So that question the answers are always the same. Mm-hmm. In the shower, mm-hmm. out for a walk, at the gym, driving to and from work, uh, just before I'm dropping off to sleep, when I first wake up in the morning, uh, when I'm meditating. So everyone has had that experience of having a profoundly useful, relevant insight or aha or realization 
coming to them when they weren't thinking about it. Mm -hmm. So my, my assertion is that that's a built-in capacity of the mind. And here's why that's so important. So if you, you'll, you'll be very aware, George, that if, if you ask someone, how far is 30 steps, they can easily estimate that we're good Mm -hmm. at estimating linear distance. But if you ask them, how far is 30 exponential steps? People don't know that 30 exponential steps will take you to the moon, mm-hmm. right? Like it, because we don't have intuitions for exponential increase. But the digital technologies that we're now working with are exponential technologies doubling in speed and having in size and cost every 18 months to 24 months. We're trying to use linear thinking to keep up with exponential technology, and it won't work. Nope. So that innate capacity for insight and realization is an exponential thinking pattern. It's a way of coming up with uh, ideas, creative solutions, and that sort of thing that has at least a chance of keeping pace with digital technology, Um, or at least a better chance than linear thinking does. So anyway, we've each got that within us. And and the other piece that's probably relevant for people to know about uh, is that, well, a simple metaphor is the teddy bear. So uh, everyone listening either had or knows someone who had either a teddy bear or a security blanket or that kind of thing when they're a little kid. And mm-hmm. and parents give a, a, a teddy bear, a security blanket to a child at a certain point because it's a transitional object. And so the child holds on to the teddy bear or security blanket to get a sense of security and comfort at a certain time in their life. And they reckon something like 20% of adults still have them, like, right? Mm-hmm. So they get a feeling from it. Now, here's the interesting thing, and this will sound simplistic, but it's actually very subtle. As adults, like we know, the child genuinely feels a sense of security by hanging on to the bear or the blanket or whatever. But as adults, we know 100% of that feeling of security and well-being is coming from within the child. Zero percent of it is coming from the blanket or the bear or the rabbit or whatever it is. Hundred percent of it is coming from the child. Similarly, if you you know go away for the weekend and forget the bear or the blanket in a hotel when you get home and the kid's freaking out, it's not because they've got a bear deficiency. A hundred percent of that feeling of freak out and insecurity and bother, that's coming from within the child as well. They're attributing it to the bear of the blanket, but it's coming from within the child. So a hundred percent of that experience, that perceptual experience is coming from within the child. Zero percent of it is coming from the bear or the blanket or the absence of it, right? And we get that as adults. But then how many of us as adults overlook that fact when it comes to the adult security blankets of money or a job or business success or a partner or even physical health. Uh, uh, And what I found is everyone I ever met misattributes that. We genuinely believe that that the source of our feelings of well-being and peace and security and love and so on are at least in some way connected to uh, circumstance, to other people, to past events, to future occurrences, to uh, financial conditions, to the economy. Like I used to work with a guy who literally his moods were index linked. If his mm-hmm. if his stock uh, portfolio was down, he would be kicking desks and punching the wall. 
And because uh, it genuinely seemed to him like his well-being and security was uh, dependent on that. Now, it's understandable that people believe that. It's a trick of the mind, but it's not true. Go ahead. Yeah, because, well, there's there's two things I want to ask you about. Um, and one of them is directly related to um, what you just said. So we'll go into it backwards. Um, so so the first one, actually, we'll, we'll do the first one. So, so remember when you talked about that moment of clarity that you had when you found the principles of clarity, like in 2009, right? And then yeah. you said, I found it. And then I was able to kind of start thinking about like reorging, right? And kind of bringing yeah. things into alignment. Um, yeah. You talked about that like it was an easy decision. And that took me three years to do. And so I'm which bit the so once I got the clarity, the clarity came and then I I had it. And, you know, when I had that moment, you know, that like, you know how good it feels when you get it, like the endorphins are going, the dopamine's going. Yeah, yeah. It, right, right, right. And you're like, all right, cool. I am crystal fucking clear. Like I couldn't be clear. Right. Like this is the most high quality glass that I've ever looked through. And then you get excited about it. But then for me. I had the clarity and then when real life started happening after that clarity, uh, the dopamine dwindled and dwindled down into doubt. And then that doubt crept around and stepped around enough that I was like, okay, yes, I'm clear, uh, but who knows? I'm going to keep operating and if I get clear, I'll go. But truth be told, every ounce of my operation was just actually further unaligning me from like what... I had that clarity about, and I don't know if it wasn't the courage to start or whatever, but it took, it took three years and almost the entire world around me breaking before I made the decision. And so, Got it. yeah, I would love to hear your thoughts about that. Well, there are a couple of things. There are a couple of things that occur to me, George. The first one is if I, like I told you the story of what happened, but if yeah. I go kind of frame by frame, I had that first insight and that was a game changer for me. Yep. And I started reorganizing things. But it was so that was Jan January, February 2009. It was either two or three years before I formally announced that I'm no longer teaching NLP. I'm now teaching this new stuff. So that took it took time to turn the ship around. Mm -hmm. Now that's not the case for everyone, but you know, some people see this and like they kind of make a massive change the next day. But the, the thing that struck me is. That insight that I had, which is I'd been tying my security, my well-being uh, to circumstance and that sort of thing. If I'm going to get tripped up today, it's still that. Like I'll give you an example. Yep. Uh, in the uh, in 2020, we uh, we had a bumper year. Like we decided in 2019, we we're going to move most of the business online and do stuff like that. So when COVID hit and everything, it, we, we were lucky. We we're in a good position. So we had a bumper year. But then I got uh, sick at the end of uh, 2020 and my energy levels crashed. And so I had to have a look at, you know, that old uh, saying, uh, when the tide goes out, you can see who's not wearing any swimming trunks yep. uh, or swimming costume. Well, for me, my uh, Popeye muscle in business was throw more energy at it. So if something wasn't working right, oh, I'll just throw more energy at it. Bah, 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 bah. When the tide of my energy went out, I saw all the places in my business where it wasn't working. Now, a few years ago, I had an insight, George, which was 
It was one of those moments I was reading a book and I suddenly fell out of all my ideas about myself and the world and that sort of thing and just got hit with this beautiful feeling. And when I came back to the here and now, what I was left with was you're going to have a beautiful life and work you love and you don't even need to know how it's going to happen. Mm. Now, one of my Achilles heels in business is I want to know how everything's going to happen. I want like control freakery, right? So I'm like, okay, well, what I realized recently, like maybe a year ago, I've still had at the back of my mind in a way I wasn't even aware of. I was like, oh, I'm going to have a beautiful life and work I love once I get the business working. So I was doing just a subtle version of I'll be happy when. Okay, it wasn't I'll be happy. It's like I can really go for it and really do what I'm here to do once I get the business working right. And I suddenly realized, well, that's bullshit. That can't be true. And so I had to make a decision, which is I'm going to go all in on prioritizing the experience I'm living in and putting that first and let the chips fall where we may, where they may. So I said to you before we started recording, business is in kind of flux at the moment because I'm, I'm entering a new stage and burning off stuff that's no longer required and that sort of thing. And who knows, like it, it's a propitious day that we speak because the second edition, it's the 10 year anniversary edition of my book, Clarity is being released today. So I'm literally, it's landing on people's doorsteps and stuff. And I see this as like a seed that I'm planting and I don't know what's going to grow from it. I'm excited to find out. So I, it, that's a long way of saying that thing that I first saw that had first been getting in my way, that's still what gets in my way. If I'm going to screw up, that's where I'll be screwing up. So it's been a learning journey. Now, here's the advantage I have that maybe you didn't have back then, which was I saw that this was true and I kind of realized, well, this is a par if this really is a paradigm, then everything else and everyone else in the world is pointing me in the other direction. So you need to surround yourself with people who are looking in this direction. I started traveling around the world, learning from other people who knew about it, building a community of people who were looking in this direction, all that sort of stuff, because I knew I was going to need help to to do my best to kind of prevent against getting sucked into the more typical way of seeing things. Yeah, yeah. Um oh god. That answer was a hundred times greater than any other answer that you could have given me that I had an expectation of. That was perfect. And uh um, that was a bit of what word. <laughs> and it, and you know what's funny is when you were when you were speaking um and you you said like a one liner about the main concept of the book, which we're going to talk about in a minute, that one thing, um, you said it. And when you said it, I instantly remembered being on the leg extension machine at EOS fitness in Temecula, California, the moment I heard it in the book where it like gave me the moment that was kind of like a nice. cool moment right there. And, uh, Oh, and the funny thing right. about how Jamie is, uh, at some point I would love to have you come speak at one of our events and uh, I would love that. Yeah. It's, um, it's 75 entrepreneurs in a heart-centered room committed to relationships beating algorithms talking about mindset customer journey and um we have one rule though i i tell everybody if they ever ask me how i'm going to find them so we have a know-how rule allowed in the entire event and so that way that way they can't ask it so i got a little chuckle out of that one so yeah that's cool i um i think for some more context because that answer was incredible and i want to unpack a little bit of like how it showed up for me and, and how it applies to me um this this concept of 
I call it toxic thinking. I, th- I think that's what you call it as well, right? Is that, yeah. I, I, I use contaminated thinking. Contaminated thinking. I, I, I think I shortened yeah. it. Oh, by the way, what was that P word you used? What is that? Press, 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 what was that word with the book today? Uh, pr- uh, um, principles? No, no. You I'm said not sure what... you were referencing how today is like some P word. Because... Oh, it's propitious. What is that word? It's a propitious mean? day. Uh, propitious. Let me look it up and give you a proper definition. I always think of it as being the kind of word I read in fortune cookie fortunes. Uh, so it means um, uh, favorable, disposed to be gracious, of good omen. So it's a day of good omen. It's a good day to be recording this. It's, uh, it's propitious. Propitious. Day. Propitious yeah. is the word. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. So now, um, contaminated thinking. Can you kind of break down that whole ecosystem since it kind of forms the baseline for everything? Yeah, yeah. Let me give it a crack. So uh, I'll I'll start with the technical description and then I'll give a really simple visual description. So here's the technical description. And and the technical description is a bit of a freak show. Um, So it, it genuinely seems to us, right, as we sit here doing whatever we're doing, it seems to us kind of like we're looking out through our eyes, like little windows in our head at a world out there, right? Like that's how it, that's how it seems to me and that's how it seems to most people. We're, so we're kind of in our head or in our body or whatever, and we're looking out at the world. But in, in actual fact, what's going on technically is data is pouring in through our senses, our eyes, our ears, our smell, our taste buds, all that sort of stuff. Data's pouring in. And then our, our brains are going, what must be out there for me to be receiving this data? And our our, our brains, our minds, our, our psychological and uh, uh, physical brain properties, go. they take a guess and they create a model of a best guess model of what the world must be in order for that day to become data to be coming in. So we've all had the experience of this, right? Like you're walking down the street and you see someone, you know, and you start waving at them and you get a little closer and you realize it's not them. And you pretend to be like scratching your head or something like it's, <laughs> it's kind of a weird experience because a minute ago, you saw them, you could see it was them and you start waving and then you get a little closer, you get a little more data and the mind just goes, oh, sorry, you know, bad signal, whatever. Well, that's because we're creating our perceptual experience. Now, I don't mean this in a woo-woo new age way. I mean it in a very technical neurological way. Like when you're asleep and dreaming, your dreams look real to whatever extent they do. And it's like you're there in them. Well, when you're awake and looking out through your eyes, you're using the exact same neurological structures to create your experience. So you're living in an internally generated perceptual experience. Now, there is a world out there. I'm not saying I created this cup or this phone. I'm pretty sure it was the Apple Corporation. Um, But I'm creating my experience of it from within using a power that I'm going to refer to as the power of thought. So I'm not talking about the thoughts running through your head. I'm talking about an energy that's job is to create a perceptual reality that we experience as real. Now that's huge, like, cause that's happening every moment of every day and it's happening right now. And you can chase the neurology down on this. Like if, you, if you're interested in finding out more about it, there's a great Ted talk by a guy called Donald Hoffman called something like is reality really as we see it or something like that. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I've seen that. Great, great example. So 
just making the case that, yeah, this is what's going on. We're creating a thought generated, an internally generated perceptual reality that we experience it as real. Now, here's the thing, George. It doesn't seem like that's what's going on. It seems like we're looking out through our eyes at a world out there, right? It doesn't seem like we're we're interacting with an internally generated experience. Now, the same is true when we think about future events or past events or whatever. Those are internally generated as well. Like they they don't the future and past events don't have any uh, any space time. They're not space time artifacts. They're internally generated perceptions. But it seems to us like there's more to it than that. So here's what I mean by con- contaminated thinking. It can genuinely seem to us like our feelings are coming from something that happened yesterday or something that's going to happen next week or from what that guy just said to me or the way my girlfriend's looking at me or the uh, the price of uh, cheese or whatever. It can genuinely seem to us like our experience is coming from somewhere other than that internally generated perceptual power. But that's never the case. A hundred percent of our felt experience is coming from the principle of thought taking form in the moment. One hundred percent of the time, no exceptions. Now, the child who believes that their experience is coming from the teddy bear. That's an example of contaminated thinking. It's not true. By contaminated, I'm not saying good thinking, bad thinking. I, I don't mind, you know, think whatever you like. And saying it's it's just not true. It's not true. How our experience is being created, our experience is always being created one way, from within. Uh, sometimes there's raw data being mixed in with that from a live data feed. Sometimes it's all internal. Uh, but we're living in the experience of what I'm calling the principle of thought, creating a perceptual reality 100% of the time, no exceptions, it only works one way from the inside out, even when it seems like it works the other way. So yeah. contaminated thinking, very naturally, sometimes we get tricked by, into believing that it works some other way than how it works, but it never does. Yeah. And that's what gets in people's way. Yeah, yeah. I, I call it sometimes, uh, what you were just referencing, I call it disempowered thinking instead of contaminated because it basically eliminates my choice and ability to do anything about it. And, um, and so, okay, so I have, uh, and, and I love that breakdown by the way. And thank you for that. Cause, um, what's really interesting, Jamie is I, I think one of the reasons that I was able to understand the concept and I, I latched onto contaminated thinking so fast was because back when I used to be a personal development coach, um, we live in the world of, you know, life spring material around neutrality and, um, all events are neutral, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, and so when, when you're talking about now this, uh, contaminated thinking, right? So for me, um, what it ended up happening, uh, I made the shift, right? Totally, totally good shift. Uh, the only reason I'm successful, best thing that I ever did. And it was awesome. And then, um, I will say that there was probably a period of like two to three years where, um, everything was going exactly how I wanted it to go. It was there. It was great. Like if I had designed it on paper, like it's going, but my relationship was it with, it wasn't, it was this really interesting, um, 
dynamic and I, I, I struggled a lot with integrating, right. The, this concept of, of doing it. And I totally got it in theory and I totally got it in practice, but it would like creep away from me and I would start getting contaminated mm-hmm. thinking again. And then I would start because of that thinking <laughs> subconsciously self-sabotaging to create it out of alignment to then give myself something to focus on again. And so I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if, if you have any tools or tips or tricks or thoughts or, around this, because, you know, I'd say at this point in my career, I know a lot of people, I talk to hundreds of thousands of entrepreneurs a year, like it's mind blowing to me, but yet some of these concepts are still not heavily supported or talked about openly. And so through osmosis, we're surrounded by 99% of the other paradigm for lack of better terms. And so that was something that now it's, it's, it's infrequent. And if it comes up, it's momentary pretty quickly. Well, let me, let me give a couple of things. So, so I want to give a quick visual metaphor that might help. So I've, I've got this, this snow globe here and and you can see with, if you, if you take a snow globe and you shake it up, it, it, it obscures what's there, right? But if you just let the water settle, then clarity emerges. And the reason clarity emerges is because clarity is the water's natural state, right? That's its natural state. Well, clarity is your mind's natural state. And so when we get into contaminated thinking, which is natural, like it happens for everyone, that's when, when are things that basically aren't true. And by not true, I don't mean like, you know, what do you believe about the price of fish? I'm talking about believing that reality works in a way that it does not work. We, we are, our very nervous systems make us subject to believing that reality works in a way it can't work. So for instance, I'm coaching someone, they say, oh, I'm terrified of a talk I need to give in a couple of weeks. I'm like, well, where does it seem to you like that experience is coming from? Well, the talk, I'm nervous about it. Well, the talk's two weeks away. It might get canceled. We don't know what's going to happen. The talk, the experience can't be coming from the talk. The experience is coming from within. But it genuinely seems to them like it's coming from somewhere other than the moment. And so that's what gets the head riled up. Now, the the thing we've got, George, is you've got a built-in signal when you go off track, which is as soon as we believe that our experience is coming from somewhere other than thought, other than the moment, other than from within, we start spinning. We start having a lot on our mind. We start getting bothered, anxious, all that sort of stuff. Well, that signal is sort of like the rumble strips on the edge of a highway. It's there to let you know that you just veered off track. But what happens for a lot of people is they hit the psychological rumble strips, whether it takes the form of anxiety or depression or stress or bother or whatever. They hit those psychological rumble strips and they don't realize that that's a built-in signal letting them know to change direction. And they they dig further into it. And I do too. Like I'm still subject to this. I still get tricked by it because what we're talking about, what I describe as the outside in misunderstanding is the most deceptive trick in all of history. Like it's very, very deceptive. So things that mm. things that people can do to kind of, uh, start connecting with it. One is just just like grab a hold of that snow globe metaphor if it works for you, and and just 
recognize that we all have times where when our thinking gets clouded with contaminated thinking and, and we'll have physical signals that'll let us know that we'll have you know spinning thoughts and preoccupation and that's a signal to back off of what you're thinking about not think harder about it but so many of us have been uh, conditioned to take that as a signal to think harder think more <laughs> about it right so so ease off on it is my first tip uh, another another tip would be for people to think about to just reflect on when do you get your best ideas? When do you get your best ideas? Because what that's going to point to you, point you to, is a capacity that you already have. Now, here's what I'm not saying. Let's say someone says, well, I get my best ideas in the shower. I'm not saying, well, you should spend way more time in the shower each day. What I'm saying is recognize that that's, ref that's showing you an innate capacity that you already have mm -hmm. built in because so the, and, and in relation to that, by the way, the other thing I, I'd, I'd uh, encourage people to, to reflect on is to ask what stuff that you've been through that, that you came through and that you survived that you never would have thought you'd have made it through, but you did like, cause my, you know, it's funny. We all have times when we experience self doubt and stuff, but if you stop and think about it for a moment, the fact that we're here means that we've come from a long range of millions of ancestors, right? Each of whom managed to do two things. They managed to survive until breeding age mm -hmm. on a planet where most creatures get eaten before they get to breeding age. And then they managed to hook up with someone at least once and give birth to a progeny that made it to, that went through the same thing, that gave birth to a child or uh, whatever that made it to breeding age and hooked up with someone. And that's happened over and over again, millions of times in the most fully validated product development cycle in history. And we are the leading edge of that in a very real way. So you're built for reality. You're built to thrive and survive and prosper. You're built for that. And most people don't realize that. You, you know, you got a lot more going for you than you think. So I, I encourage people to look at just how resilient they actually are. So that's wow. another another thing that can just another thing would be just to look at that thing of the teddy bear, like it, it, to just have a look at your life and look at how much of the stuff that you're up to is informed by the idea of I'll be happy when I'll have a good life. When now here's the thing, there's nothing wrong with having goals. I've got all kinds of, goals, oh, of course. all kinds of things I want to achieve, but the, what's funny, the last line in the new edition of the book is I say something that one of my mentors said to me, which is, the experience you're living in is all you get. Mm -hmm. The feeling you're living in is all you get, you know? And so there are all kinds of wonderful things that people are inspired to create and do and build and accomplish in the world and more power to you. Uh, but if you're practicing putting off being happy until later, then by the time later arrives, you'll be really good at putting off being happy. So I encourage you to, you know, uh, just really take some time looking at the places where you might have done an I'll be happy when or I couldn't be happy if or that sort of thing. You know, it's funny. I saw an interview with Ray Dalio mm -hmm. and Dalio 
uh, obviously has worked with some extraordinarily successful people, but he's also had his fair share of people in his in his orbit who have gone bankrupt and that sort of thing. He said is really interesting when people kind of lose everything uh, financially. He said they go through an initial phase, which is often a few weeks of being completely devastated, and then they emerge realizing that a whole bunch of the stuff that they thought that money would give them, it didn't give them and that they've got it now. And that a whole bunch of stuff that they thought they wouldn't be able to handle actually didn't turn out to be such a big deal. And so they, they become much more uh, themselves, much more peaceful, much uh, less fearful because they realize, Oh, you can handle it. Now I'm not, I'm not preaching the, the, uh, the, the value of going bankrupt. I mean, do whatever, do whatever makes sense to you. Like, uh, but you can, you got much less to be afraid of than you think you're capable of far, far more than you think. Yeah. And, and God, that was an incredible answer, uh, from all of it. And by the way, um, I've been explaining the concept of clarity since your book and, and it's kind of a cornerstone of like coaching for me and like my life, that snow globe example, that's genius. I want one of those. I will buy one from you, please. Um, I, I'm going to get one of those. Right on that. Um, um, there's one more one more tip I would give people. Okay, because like, I was going to... Yeah, do yours because then I'm going to throw some more in the ring for you. Okay, cool. So like, like you said, George, the world is kind of pointing us in the other direction. Yep. And the modern advertising industry basically t- makes an art form of telling people once you have this thing you'll be happy once you you know use our product or smoke these cigarettes or whatever then your life will be complete once you're on this watch then you'll really feel authentic uh well that's bullshit like it's not true um and and so it's worth knowing that but but here's the other thing if you want to if you want to live with more in alignment with reality which is good for the mental health and good for life and good for performance in general it seems to me it was worth making making learning about this a priority. Like, and, and so I think of it as a three-step process. Step one, decide whether I'm on to something or not. Decide whether this kind of makes sense, like there's something here or not. If you don't think there's something here, then nothing further to do. But if you think there is something here, decide if your life would be more sweet, more beautiful, more enjoyable if you had more uh, inspiration and love and connection and... Uh, peace of mind and well-being, and if the answer to that is yes, just make it a priority to learn about this. Because mm-hmm. if you make it a you, my assertion is you already have this going for you. It's already there within you. It's already there, trying to find its way through the uh, through the noise of everything else. So give it a you know stack the deck in your favor, and however you learn about it, make it a priority to get this on board for you. A thousand percent. So I have like quite a few things I'm going to tie together because then I have a, another thing to share and I'd love your thoughts on it because this just happened two days ago. Um, so uh, number one, you know, when talking about this, you know, when I understood the concept of like toxic thinking, I'll start this when I'll get there when it gave me a very big uh, focus for my year and I've used it since then. And, and my new thing, my favorite thing to say is awareness is the finish line. Like that's for me, right? Because I like that it metaphorically fucks with the fact that that even has like a finish line connotation, 
but it's awareness. Yeah. So it kind of is playful. So that's how yeah. I've been describing it for like two years, Jamie. So for me, it's a, I really like it. awareness is the finish line. And in this whole concept of toxic thinking and talking about the showers and the moments of intuition and all of it, and even, even my problem with people like glorifying, you know, the morning routine, you know, uh, virality right now. And I'm like, guys, you're missing the point. It's not about yeah. the actions. It's about what's underneath the actions. And if you look, yeah. they all share one thing in common, which is why I require you to have a stillness practice every single day. And the premise of my entire existence on this planet is that relationships beat algorithms, especially the one that you're guaranteed to spend the most, the rest of your life with, whether you like it or not. And so, yeah. you know, when I started to break this down and I'm summarizing your, your answer before for everybody listening, because once I got this understanding that, you know, I'll be happy when I'll do this when, and I'll do this now. And, you know, all that toxic thinking where I was creating back doors and basically living out of alignment. Then I understood that every moment was the moment, but I didn't know how to exist in those moments because I hadn't had them. I'd been having all my moments in reaction to the world and on social in my environment. And so part of the integration process, I wouldn't want to call it painful, but it was it was more challenging because it was a new muscle that I hadn't used before. And the beautiful thing about it is that the more you flex a muscle, the stronger it gets. And so as Jamie was saying, if like any of this intrigues you, understand that there's nothing to get it's just to increase your awareness with curiosity to see what lands mm -hmm. to allow you that space because what then ends up happening and this is what ended up happening for me is once i started flexing that muscle with like five minutes a day of just sitting in a chair existing i had i had rules no music no notepad no anything i just had to mm -hmm. be and i was like bird oh i've been thinking about the bird too long oh breath oh tree like just practicing being. And then the other side of that was an incredible piece of coaching I got from one of my best friends when, when I was in one of those breakdowns, but more emotionally, right? The toxic thinking was just making the, the damage in my life exacerbated. And I called him in complete breakdown, Jamie. I was like crying for like 30 minutes. I was dry heaving. I think I threw up twice and I like did the whole spiel and I was like, what do I do? And he said, sit with it longer. And he hung up on me. And uh, some of the best coaching I ever got because it, mm. it changed my life. And I realized that uh, my ability to view my experiences in the, in the empowering manner boils down to my ability to exist with my human experience without trying to change it. Mm. And that was became kind of my new focus. And so, you know, for everybody listening, you know, there's a lot in here and I think it's so powerful, but really understanding that it's a muscle. And it's a muscle that you can use, but it requires that you bring awareness to it and that you flex it and that you find ways to use it. And go ahead, Jimmy. Well, I was just going to say that the, I, I'll tell you something kind of interesting because uh, I, I love what you said, by the way, awareness is the finish line. I, that my coding of that for, for me is the present moment. Yeah is the fifth yeah, line. Yeah. There's something very, but speaking as an entrepreneur, I have a kind of propensity to, to vision, envision the future and think, oh yeah, let's go over there. Yeah, and it, yeah. but, it, but it's so easy to fall into the idea that, oh yeah, over there is so much better than here. The, yeah. And there's something that just so valuable about kind of falling in love with the present moment, becoming a connoisseur of the present moment. But here's the interesting thing. 
one of the reasons I love this understanding and why I walked away from the field of NLP, mm-hmm. and like I was a leader in that field, yeah. I walked away from it with this understanding. Because when I first got into NLP, I was like, wow, these are the tools of freedom. I want everyone to know about it. But what I realized is to, to get a lot of value from those, you have to be pretty motivated. Yep. And the thing I love about this, like I've literally been into maximum security prison yeah. in California with guys. Did you uh, go with Defy oh, Ventures? Did I go with what? What organization did you go in with? To the security. I program. went in with my friend Kathy. Oh, amazing! Uh, she was she was working for Santa Clara County. Oh, and so incredible. we went into. Uh, I guess it would be. I think it would be San Jose yep. City Jail, which is like a. It's like a a a, a, a eight five or eight story skyscraper yeah. in the middle of San Jose. So we go in there, uh, and we're shown into this room. Was it, can I tell you the story? Yeah, please. No, I, yeah, yeah. Tell me. Okay. So I, I was visiting from the UK, so I had to bring my passport and stuff and they had to, you know, get me registered beforehand. So I go in and they've got one of those airlock systems, you know, where it's kind of like there, you walk into the space and, and it, written on the wall, it says, you're now entering a no hostage area. So I start laughing and I say to the guard, As it, do any of the inmates obey the no hostage rule? And he said, no, no, that's not for, that's not, that warning's not for the inmates. That warning's for you. If you get taken hostage, you're on your own. And I'm like, oh, okay. Not as funny as I thought. So, so anyway, we, we go in there, we, we, you know, get into this elevator in the elevator, you signal which floor you're going to by waving a number of fingers at the camera. So there are no buttons in the elevator because it's controlled from outside. You go through it into the room and there's like, I think it was 70 guys. It was a gang unit there. So this was a unit for guys who had left their gangs and needed to be in protective custody. So it was all the different gangs together, a lot of violence in the unit, that sort of thing. They come into the room and they're listening to me and Kathy talk to them. And these guys get into just this really amazing feeling. They start having insights and that sort of thing. And they're like mandated to go to this yep. thing, right? They're not motivated. They're mandated to go to it. But just by spending time looking in this direction uh, and uh, getting into the feeling of it, they're having insights, their life's changing. Kathy had a guy came to her and said, uh, ever, ever since I learned this stuff, I can't kill people anymore. Mm. Like he, being a gangbanger and it had just been part of his life wow. and his, his connection to his humanity had been restored. Wow. So, I mean, I, I, I can't speak for you, but, but, uh, I mean, the life I live today is, it, it would have been unrecognizable to the me of even 15 years ago, I experienced more love and connection and well-being and peace in the average day than I used to in the average month percent. or year. Like it's a, uh, it's a, I, I, I kind of live in a different world. And it's, I see this with my clients. I get messages, like I say, every day from people who have read the book. I, I You mentioned PTSD. I had yeah. someone email me that, hey, I know your book wasn't probably wasn't meant to do this, but she's a U.S. Army vet. Yep. Uh, she said, I, I have been getting treatment for PTSD for 10 years. Uh, nothing seemed to really help. She said, I read your book and I don't have PTSD anymore. Yep. Now, 
that while it was a compliment about the book, it's a testament to what she and everyone else have going for them. Like yep. no, she's told me, no one ever told me I wasn't broken. It's like, you're not broken. You don't need fixing. There is nothing wrong with you yeah. psychologically. Yeah. Well, you know, it's you know, interesting. Like I, I, I probably have like seven things to close, but that one is, you know, how she emailed you or messaged you and said, she nobody had ever told me I wasn't broken. Your book did have an incredibly profound impact on healing and basically eradicating my PTSD in conjunction with a whole lot of other things because I had done, oh, you know what? I remember, I remember from the beginning of the podcast what I was trying to tell you. So I, I, you know, I lived a life of, of, you know, relatively interesting situations as I relate to them now, because I'm grateful that I had them to be here and do the work that I do. And I, I love every ounce of it. Um, but I went through seven years of every therapy and I mean, almost daily. And it, it, the more I did, the worse I got. And I just didn't get it. Like I, I, it was getting harder to understand. It wasn't integrating. It wasn't any of it. And that's what I was talking about because the concept of the book is what that moment was so big for me for so long because it had made sense of what the only avenues I had to my availability at that time couldn't help me get. And I have an, that's an entirely different podcast on the problem of psychology, you know, DSM and everything else, but that's a different day. Um, and that, that's what helped it bring it into perspective for me that I realized that like I had it all and now it was about the integration of it all rather than my level of healing has to match my level of trauma. And that was a, a big thing for me for a long time. And so huge, huge there. Um, and so one of the things you were saying earlier when talking about, you know, that space to give yourself and you get into that toxic thinking, when you get into that contaminated thinking, you know, for everybody listening, um, you know, I'm bullish on this, Jamie, I assign stillness practices. I have a, what I call the SOS method to literally pattern interrupt yourself to get out of uh -huh. that thought process and into it. So for everybody listening, yeah, I talk about this a lot, but I'm going to remind you again, that when you catch those patterns, if you find yourself in them, um, moving your body and using your body as a tool, get out of your head and into movement, breath work, dancing, moving, walking, like anything that will break the monotony of whatever that situation and pattern is that you're sitting in is massively helpful. Um, so Jamie, uh, one of the things that, uh, you were saying earlier, and this was a big one for me was the evidence of things that I've overcome in my life, right? Like situations that like in the moment right now, because it's in my current purview can be dropped on me. And based on my view of the world that day, it might feel like Mount Everest for me to accomplish. But then if I take two minutes and look backwards, I have so much evidence that would absolutely win in a court of law, but I always forget to look at it always. Yeah. And so this isn't as much of a question as it is something that just happened the other day, but I would love your thoughts on it. So um, I've been on the road for the last week, keynoting in three different places, and my wife is opening a school for our son because we're passionate about education and empowerment yeah. and positive psychology. And so part of this school process is there's like five steps to this application process. It's supposed to be six months. Well, they loved my wife so much. They sped us through the process and we're at like stage five. And so right. they asked for resumes. 
and I've never had a resume in my life. I've never written one. I've never made one. And so my wife's like, babe, you got to give them a resume because they want to know every ounce of your experience as an entrepreneur, why you got here, including your military career. And I was like, okay, Jesus. And my wife's like, I made a template. I just need the info. I'll fill it out. And so I was on a plane for three hours. And I was like, I have my entire military record jacket of everything that ever happened for 13 years of my life, including pre-military. So I start reading it to write my resume and I see every social services letter, every lawsuit, uh, custody cases, my career, the, everything that happened from the counseling to the, to the deaths. And, and I'm writing this resume and I took a minute and I decided when I finished it that I was going to write and I wrote it down my life experience resume. And I took it and I wrote down every defining moment in my life that felt like it was insurmountable that I would never make it. And I wrote about like how I felt, how I made it out and what it was. And and so I made my life experience resume. So I have it in a Google document anytime I doubt myself on all of it. But it was really interesting because it was one of the most grounding and grateful things ever. And I told my wife and I said, babe, like I haven't seen this letter telling my parents' lawyers that they couldn't contact me when I was 14 years old since it was written. And I looked at it and all I had was gratitude and happiness because of the way I related it because of my thinking. And, and I, and I can genuinely thank you for that. Um, oh, and man. so thank it's, you. It's great to hear, right? You know, the, when I look back at the kind of lives that people like you and me and, and many people I know have lived, I've just got so much gratitude for those younger versions of ourselves. Yeah, I got some tears coming managed right now. To, <laughs> managed to prevail and managed to to make it through, like like in spite of so much. Yeah, you know? yeah. In spite of so much, and I'm so glad you're in a position to be able to appreciate that and and be grateful for it and love it. It's a it's a gift, and I and I and I truly understand from the old days of personal development. Now, when they taught this to me 12 years ago, and I didn't get it, uh, the easiest way to get what you want is to give it away first. And mm-hmm. you know, with the right thinking mindset, it's it's one of the greatest gifts. And yeah, and and it's really interesting. And and I'm I'm considering looking at that life experience resume and turning it into like a model or a process and trying it on some of my one-on-one clients to see. And, uh, but I'll do it in a question and answer form and then I'll keep it and then I'll, uh-huh. and then I'll send it to them whenever they have those down moments. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, that was, that was, that was, uh, God, I'm just really emotional thinking about that in a good way. It's really That's great. It's really powerful, man. Yeah. So, okay. So I should get back to the podcast. So I want to ask you this question selfishly because I have, uh, shoot, yeah, I have about four minutes before I get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is not a uh, like a long one. The rule is you get to answer it, and then you get to give like a a one to two sentence meaning for each one. But I am so curious what you say. So if you could combine any two animals to be your spirit animal what would they be and why? Um, well, one of them would have to be a dog because I love dogs and dogs are all feeling like they're all, they're all feel, yep. they're yep. all heart, they're all love. So one of them would be a yep. dog. And uh, 
I'd love to be able to fly. So I, I think a cool bird, like an yep. eagle or something like that. That's a, that's sure it. a weird I, looking I, creature. I, to yeah. be fair. Yeah. So so well, I, I picked a bald eagle and an orca whale. Oh, nice. Yep. Why did you pick? Why did you I pick those it. ones? So I wanted to be the master of the sky and the master of the ocean, and orcas are. Uh, some of the most intelligent, connected, community-driven, you know, mammals and eagles oh, nice. are like the, like the the definition of stoicism and masculinity. And I was like, I want both, like values, pride, things like that. So yeah, it was an interesting question. I was curious to hear yours. So a uh, dog and well, a baldy, something, or an eagle. Tell you something funny, eagle. George. Oh, sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. You're good. No, no, you're good. No, it's, tell me something funny. So I was asked that a similar question over tw like 25 years ago. And at the time <laughs> I said a shark and an eagle. And it's mm. so interesting because the, the wow. re I, I tried that on when I first listened. I thought a shark doesn't really fit me anymore. I, I, I think oh. I was much more independent. I, I, I had never even had the experience of connection and love at that point. So I was like, yeah, yeah. no. <laughs> I didn't know I needed that. So, so yeah, I'll stick, I'll stick with dog and eagle. Yeah. I think at one, at one point I might end up like as a sloth and a panda, just content, happy, <laughs> present, moving really slow, cute, adorable, and loving everybody. Like, I think that's my, yeah. like, if you had to map out where I'm going to end up at 104, like that's where it is. It'll be a panda and you know, something yeah. else. So, all right, man, well, we'll listen. Um, I want to make sure everybody knows where to find you. So first off, um, what's, what is the actual title of the first book? Uh, the first book is called clarity, clear mind, better performance, bigger results. But if you look for Jamie smart clarity, you'll either get the first version coming up in Amazon, or they may show you the second edition now. And then the uh, second well. one, is it, uh, an expanded version of the first one? The second. Okay. So here's the second edition is, uh, basically the material from the first edition, but I've done a brutal edit of it. Ooh, I love it. I've added a, what the research says section to every chapter. So people can go and read the research that relates to the stuff we're talking about in that chapter. I've updated it and simplified it to include my, uh, my latest insights. I've had an extra 10 years of field testing wow. and, all that sort of stuff. So it's just simpler, cleaner, all that sort of stuff. But also the case studies we did in the original version of the book, many of those I've been able to do follow-ups with people who are 10 years down the road from living with this understanding, which is really cool to see where people are at now. And then I've added a, a new chapter called Troubleshooting Enlightenment, which is basically looking at some of the most common challenges that people have and looking at it through the lens of this understanding. So we look at um, what do we look at? We look at PTSD, fear wow. of public speaking, goals, objectives, and results, social anxiety, career change, stress and stress-related illness, burnout, relationships, depression, sense of purpose, and navigating by intuition. So, so there's a section on each of those in this new chapter with new case studies for each of those Amazing. as well. So maybe we'll do another edition in another 10 years and see how those case studies are getting. Yeah, I'll give, you, I'll give you a good one. I'll, you'll have two decades of me under the belt. I'll submit, I'll submit a case study for that one. Um, nice. I love and that. So, I love that, George. Uh, I, don't, I would as well. I would as well. So I think for everybody listening, the absolute best place to start with Jamie, to find Jamie, is his website. And it's Jamie Smart 
jamiesmart.com, right? So J-A-M-I-E-S-M-A-R-T.com. And that's right. I will say this for everybody um, who hasn't read the first version, buy the second version, start there. For everybody who's read the first version, because I've talked about it so much, buy the second version and then buy 10 more copies to give it to your friends. Because if you're buying the second copy, you already know how powerful it is. So that's my ask of yeah. you. And then, oh, um, Jamie, selfishly, a lot of my peeps are on Instagram, though. Are you on Instagram? I am on Instagram and I'm not very good at it yet, but it's one of the things I want to get figured out this year. So what, what is, what is your Instagram? It's jamiesmart.com. It's jamiesmart.com. So it's like the website, but without, without the, the dot. Okay, perfect. So jamiesmart.com. Yeah. Well, that's a really easy one. Jamiesmart.com on Instagram. Oh, that's the same on Twitter as yeah, well. And jamiesmart.com. Okay. So um, last question, we're going to close with this one and we are wrapped for the day. And so I just want you to envision, do you ever see that movie Men in Black? Yeah. You know, they did the flashy thing and make you forget their memory. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I want you to envision that uh, we'll go with Tommy Lee Jones since he didn't slap somebody in the face at the Oscars. Um, let's imagine Tommy Lee Jones just erased everybody's memory. Uh, but you have the ability to tattoo any wisdom on their soul right now that they will take with them forever. What is your tattoo wisdom to wrap the show? You're capable of more than you think because who I got one even better. Okay. So here, this is, this is the hippie one. Here's the hippie one. We're not human beings having a spiritual experience. We're one spiritual being having 7 billion human experiences and who you really are is that one spiritual being who you really are is consciousness itself. You are what you've been searching for until now. So you already are it. You already have it. You already are it. So uh, you can relax. You can dial in and uh, have a beautiful life. Wow. We will seal that one up in a fortune cookie. And I think that will be printed and repeated. I appreciate that, my friend. And uh, for me, on behalf of my audience, uh, everybody listening, and for me personally, Jamie, thank you for spending so much time with us today. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and your insight. I, uh, I We're definitely going to be doing a part two and a part three down the road because I have about 710 more questions um, that we didn't right get on, to. Um, but, but thank you. And so thank you for being here. Well, thank you for inviting me, George, and thank you for all you've done to kind of spread the word about the book and and to be a living example of this understanding in your own life. Like it's beautiful to see, man. Thanks, so, man. Thank I I have some big ideas, so don't you worry. So for everybody listening, this is officially wrapped another episode of the Mind of George Show. So just remember, like I say on every episode and said today, relationships will always beat algorithms, but the most important one you have is the one with yourself. So I will either see you in the next episode or you will hear me in your earballs. But either way, it's time for the outro. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Mind of George show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five-minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite-only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, 
my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com, and I'll see you in the next episode.